Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. You are listening to a podcast by Pastor Eric Seepin and Pastor Andy Littleton. If you enjoy Faith Over Breakfast, we encourage you to rate it on the Apple Podcast app, on Spotify, or Google Play. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. My name is Eric Seepin. I'm pastor of the Village Church, and across from me is Andy Littleton, pastor of Mission Church, and we are located in Tucson, Arizona, approximately 15 minutes away from each other church-wise, right? Yeah, yeah, just about. Yep. And uh, we just did a podcast on the Red Skull, George Peterson, and really what it means to love our neighbor. Yep, yep. What do we as, so, okay, so that's happening, but as Christians, what should that look like with us? Yeah. So. All right. I thought it was good. Me too. Enjoy. Enjoy. All right. Check. Eric, uh, we are, we are, as you know, getting started a little bit late and I have, I have an appointment to get to. So we, we got to jump in. We got to jump right in. We got to, we do. We are talking about Jordan Peterson and the Red Skull. Yeah. And so we, we, okay. Here's. Here's the deal. You're going to so give my, us the deal. My By the friend, way, I just stop for a second. I know that we can't, we, but in my sermons, I say, here's the thing. Oh. I'm wondering if you say, here's the deal. <laughs> I probably do, since I just said it. I, I'm not aware, but I probably do. Here's the deal, guys. Here's the deal. So this is, uh, there. a while back, my buddy Bob was on the, the podcast. You might remember Bob, and he... Uh, He's actually, I really enjoyed having him on the podcast. I continue to say, and I will say right now, Bob, you should come back on someday. But uh, Bob, Bob shot me a text and he showed me this Jordan Peterson connection to the, uh, to the Marvel character, the Red Skull. Yes. I have to give a big disclaimer right now and say, I am not your, your, I'm not the comic book guy. I, I sometimes I watch the movies. I don't really read the comic books. I am not an expert on this by any means. But, um, but we've talked about Jordan Peterson on here. We've talked about Paul Vanderclay, who's talked about and Jordan Paul Peterson. Vanderclay has been on. He's the podcast on our podcast. So there's this kind of Jordan Peterson via Paul Vanderclay via us trying to talk about things that people in our church are talking about theme. And so, yeah, we're going to go for it. I did a little homework, but wh- where are you coming from with your Marvel knowledge? How marvelous? How marvelous am I? Well, I, I will confess when it comes to the comic books, I used to be a comic book nerd in high school. And so I went to Rincon High School and on Pima, dun, 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 Rincon, cross country. I'm wearing a Rincon shirt. Oh my goodness, you are wearing a Rincon shirt. Wow. Didn't even realize. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> but on Pima, there was this little pizza joint right next to Rincon, and there was a comic book shop. And so I lived in that comic book shop. I still have a stack of my, oddly enough, G.I. Joe comic books, which was a Marvel oh. comic. I know a little bit about that, the superhero world, because I, especially Marvel, because I would read them. I would just sit there and read them. Um, but after that, really all I have when it comes to Marvel and comics are the movies. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at in that. When it comes to Jordan Peterson, 
I started reading Jordan Peterson before he was kind of famous, when he first came out with this book. And I'd been, I've watched a lot of his lectures. My son likes Jordan Peterson. He's reading his second book okay. and discussing it with my wife. So they fill me in. I did kind of catch up a little bit on the Red Skull issue. Yeah, so so it's a, it's an interesting situation. So here you've got from what I understand from the little that I so I I watched an interview, I watched a part of another YouTube discussion on it, and I read an article from Slate and I read another article from I forget where that seemed to be more leaning toward Jordan Peterson's point of view. So Right. That's what I did. Um, so the Red Skull was created as a, originally kind of a supervillain that represented the Nazis. Right. He's kind of the force behind the Nazis, all of the weird experimenting. and Okay. Yeah, he was sort of the evil, evil. The evil, evil behind the Nazis. Yes. Okay. And so, and then this is in the Captain America comics, so he's kind of the... Cap, you know, he's he's against Captain America. Yeah, Captain America is is against him, and so in Marvel, the Red Skull has died, but then kind of come back as different manifestations of new right. things. And is comic that, books basically retell the story over and over. Again yeah, with new ideas and new ways of thinking and about applying it. it to new situations yeah. in the world and such yeah. things. So, in the current series. Um, Coates is the the writer of the new series, and the Red Skull character is quoting Ten Rules for Life and talking about order and chaos, and and people went that sounds like sounds Jordan like Peterson. Jordan Peterson is like Jordan Peterson is the evil behind the the evil hmm. in America, right? But, yeah, so. All right, we're two pastors having our breakfast table conversation. But, you know, some people in our churches have read Jordan Peterson. Your son is reading Jordan Peterson. Um, yeah, what do you what so, do you think of so this? So what do we make of somebody maybe taking a veiled shot at a yeah. figure um, who has a lot of impact in the world, it seems, at least in the world of ideas? Yeah. Um, what? what I think my first reaction is just I I think in in a comic book you're allowed to take a shot. Yeah. It doesn't I think it happens all the time. Yeah. So there's a part of me that goes, yeah, it you read it for what it is. It's a somebody is trying to teach something through the comic book. Yeah. And so you should understand that and like assess what they're teaching and right. I don't know. I don't it doesn't bother me. I don't think he can't do that. Right. Yeah. I, I think from I from Jordan Peterson's perspective, I think it would feel pretty hurtful and feel like you're misunderstood and that totally there can't be a dialogue of different ideas without you villainizing them. Sure. Which is very like, typical of our culture. And and you and I experience this in church we in the church community where we we take ideas and we create um, gods out of them in some sense, right? And then we we reject one another over them, and we have a hard time worshiping with each other and 
and we see this modeled in the culture for us too. Things mm-hmm. are becoming. You become a villain if you entertain a particular idea, and you can't have a conversation. So it's really hard to learn from one another because it's just it's not a conversation anymore. Yes, and so that's this this comic would or this comic strip would sort of symbolize you're saying the idea of this being a villainous moment versus a dialogue. Like this is something that. Right. So if Captain America were saying something like, Hey, here are my 10 rules to life and talking about chaos and order, you would think, Oh, these are good things. Right. If the red skull is talking about him, you're thinking, Oh, these are bad. In fact, Captain America and red skull in general, represent for us evil and good. Yeah. You know, Captain America is, when he was, you know, they gave him his superpowers. They were looking for someone who was as innocent as possible and who was as good as possible because it manifests your best traits. And so when they gave him his superpowers, they wanted to give him, they were going to create the best hero who had morals and had morality. That was what was going to come forward and not his evil. Now, this is an interesting thing. I'll just say, though I I just said I was not the comic book kid, I was the baseball card kid. And you so are. my heroes could hit the ball really far, probably not as deep, right? Yeah. Um, deep in left field, maybe. Yeah, I was like, you know. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, we could do a whole thing. Right field, left field, <laughs> which, which one were they hitting the ball? <laughs> or dead center. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, the... Uh, so I, I was the baseball card kid. I wasn't the comic book kid. But I, I'll just say, and this might say something about my upbringing, but I did, you know, I had a little awareness of the heroes and villains that there's Superman sure. and there's Batman and there's all these, you know, one that never really, I never thought I'm going to relate to that one was Captain America. Hmm. Um, and not, I didn't mean to, I didn't try to, it just was the the strong idea that like America is the best mm-hmm. wasn't as embedded in me right, right. as it has been in many people I know. Yes. Right. And so even when the movies came out, I watched them and I just, I remember thinking through like, here's this handsome Caucasian buff guy who embodies all the American ideals. And I, I remember even going like, how does this land with the rest of the world? Like, Right. Does, does that Captain America land? You know, this idea that America is always right <laughs> and very, very moral. And so hearing you describe uh, that, I'm going, huh, that's interesting. And it's it's interesting that now, you know, even, you know, I don't know, just how much stock are people putting in the voice of Captain America and how much it's changed and what it means about what supposedly America is all about? Mm-hmm. And then how does that land with the rest of the world? Um, how should it? And I don't know how it lands with the rest of the world, but I do know that comics are trying to teach us morality. Yes, I mean, if you absolutely. Think, if you think about, we haven't talked about DC, but the idea there is that Superman is the thing that we're all wanting to like kind of attain to. And right. in fact, he's almost like Jesus. They call him the yeah. son of man sometimes. I've caught that. Batman is trying to teach us this is not the way you handle your problems. Yeah. That if you go this way, 
it's always you're just going to continually create more problems. And so all of Batman's sort of villains are created by Batman. Yeah. Marvel, you'll see Captain America never creates any of his villains. Yeah. But the sort of brighter Batman, um, Tony Stark, yeah, uh, he creates all the villains for us to have to face the, in the Marvel side. His choices continually create villains. Okay. And so there's this, like, when you don't choose the right, clean, clear path, you're going to go down a road of destruction yeah. and create your own enemies. That's usually the message that the comics seem to be trying to teach. Yeah. Then they throw in all the other heroes to, like, try to deal with all that. Right. I, I don't know. So I think when, but I think that's what Jordan Peterson is reacting to is basically you've said I'm morally corrupt. Yeah. And that my ideas create, are dangerous. And they create, uh, they take advantage of where people are. Now, he can't be too surprised by that, just with the general media talk about him. I mean, even when I was reading the Slate article, it was casting him as kind of a hero of the of the alt-right and, you know, that kind of the Trump Trumpian um, hero. And I assume from what I've heard from him that he wouldn't wear well, that badge, but... It's kind of foolish to... To put a Jungian psychologist in that place, because which just, which has been said, which yeah, yeah people have said you kind of it seems to exhibit that you don't understand the categories of what what's being taught here, and probably a lot of people don't too. Probably a lot of people that pick up Jordan Peterson's book don't understand. I, I in one of the videos <laughs> I was listening to, um, one of the guys he goes, well, he explained the Bible in a way that finally made it interesting to me. Okay, I mean that's that's interesting to me as a Christian, right? Right. But at the same time, he's talking about Jungian archetypes, and it, yeah. this reading of the Bible is a very specific type of reading that yes. I often assume people who've listened to his biblical lectures don't understand, even how he is reading it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think what people don't realize, though, is that Jordan Peterson is just a serious psychologist. My wife. You know, she's writing a book, as I'll just keep saying every faith over breakfast. And she's re- reading this very heavy research study. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's on anxiety and inertia and all those other things. I think it's this article. It doesn't matter. And she's like, Peterson, Peterson. Oh, it's actually, there are like five psychologists. And Peterson is one of the main psychologists on this very complex study. Huh. Because that's what he does. Like he's not, you know, he's not like a pop psychologist. He's not giving you the, you know, 10 ways to solve your problems in life. He's the man who's basing his life on serious research, doing that research and trying to help people apply that research in their lives. And there's of course going to be a psychologist of another school of psychology that will do research and kind of come up with some different conclusions that are and you understand, well, this is because of some of the premises that this person starts with and the, sure. and the school of thought that they adhere to, yeah. which is so lost on folks. It feels, right. it feels yeah. like. I don't want to assume the worst about people, but you don't understand that there's kind of streams and fields of study and ways in which people to decide I'm things. going yeah. to approach this, yeah. and you teach out of that. Yeah. And, and- – yeah. But he's not just a pop icon. Like he he's a man who's doing serious work and and thinking through what he's saying and trying to help people grow. He's not 
a man. He's not the Red Skull. I think that's what he's trying to like. You can't reduce him down to these evil ideas that like he's trying to create some alt right. Well, okay, so I agree with you, but I'll give the maybe counter argument to say so but the nazis didn't think of themselves as that either right there were probably scientists and psychologists and people who there were ideas that became they became adopted and became something you know the ideas turned into action right which is what we we've even seen that in something like a like a pizza gate right where a you know, ideas turned into a cons- a theory, a conspiracy theory that turned into actual physical manifestation of that. The Pizza Gate. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Oh, this is kind of if the you're Papa getting John if, one. This is where you, if you, if you're getting into some of the stuff that's happened behind some of these conspiracy theories and QAnon uh, and such. Oh, oh, oh. oh. There was a, there was a, there's something that's called Pizza Gate, where online there was an assumption that a certain pizza place was a front for some of the child pedophilia stuff that was going on. And people actually physically responded and tried to save the people in the pizza place and they weren't there. So it turned into a, Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it went from a, it went from a, an idea to a theory to action. Right. And so I'm just saying, like, you could say that the the thoughts of a psychologist could turn into a theory for somebody that could then turn into right. action. But that can be done with anything. I, and I know. I'm just I'm giving the counter. Well, right. Know. And my argument back is it's these the things that Jordan Peterson is doing is are strongly peer reviewed, not just in his stream of thinking. You know, it's it's not the Nazi ideology was not strongly peer reviewed and submitted to other people to think through. It was used as an authoritarian way of controlling people and getting what you want. And I have to admit, I don't know how peer reviewed whatever ideas behind Nazism were. I I have no, I I'm not. Sure. That's not my department. I'm not sure. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying it, he he lives in a different world than you know an authoritarian totalitarian government. He's operating within the systems and producing research and, well, and dialoguing with psychologists and producing helpful information. I, I agree. I agree. I think what Coates is trying to say is, I assume, even though he's obviously he's, it's veiled in a comic strip, but I think what he's trying to say is that these ideas are translating into the lives of these young American men mm-hmm. who are taking these ideas and then um, organizing around them and turning into something like the, a new Nazism. Right. Right. Yeah, except that when you begin to listen to the people who read Jordan Peterson, you, you're like, these these people are guys who sit around and women who sit around and talk about ideas. I, I haven't personally <laughs> in my, my experience in my personal life of seeing people who are into Jordan Peterson and knowing some I am not seeing that happen in those circles right well and I think like and it's just it's hard for me because you know okay so in his new book my wife's explaining to me I think it was chapter two it's on storytelling yeah. and how telling a good story is having a good event. And, you know, narrowing things down to the moment and not being, it's just teaching you how to tell a good story and right. the importance of story. If this is not super it, dangerous, dangerous right. I'm like, okay, well, then then we need to get rid of most 
advice we're giving to people about life because everything well, is dangerous. Yeah, and it's hard in a moment like this because so so here you have somebody who's coming from more of the political and ideological left who's writing the Captain America now and and people are viewing Jordan Peterson as sort of on the right in I guess in how yeah. we're beginning to categorize things. But of course, if you if you flipped it, you know, if our country is as divided as it seems, right about right down the middle ideologically, if you flipped it, the the people say somebody, some commentator, were writing Captain America from the right's angle, then the ideas of the left, and I hear this all the time oh, yeah. in the Christian circles, the ideas of the left are quite Nazi-ish. Right, right, right. And right. and they're and red skullish. And red skullish. And they could it, you the the caricature could so easily be flipped and really is flipped. Yeah. And so it's you've got half the country yelling Nazi at e- at one side and half the country yelling communist Nazi at the other side. Right, right, right. And so what do we do with that? Well and that's the <laughs> you know, it always goes back to this with you and I. Okay, that's what's out in, in the culture. We yeah. need to know about what's in the culture. But how has this kind of way of being seeped into our churches? And because that's our context. And how does yeah. that affect the psyche yes. of our people? Because if if basically what you and I are called to is to love God with everything and to love our neighbor as ourself, then this doesn't seem like that. No. And I think we have to look at the way we villainize people within our community and outside as individuals who follow Jesus and say, well, okay, what does it look like to love my enemy? Right. If Jordan Peterson's my enemy, how do I love him? If, you know, the guy on the left is my enemy, how do I love him? What does love look like? Well, Jesus says love is putting your life down for someone. So how would I lay my life down for someone who has a different ideology? How would I care for them? How would I listen to them? Love is patient, kind, right. doesn't keep a record of wrongs, such things. Yeah. Look at Stop Rare, just doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Yeah. That's a lifetime job. <laughs> so these That's are things like, do. you know, as far, so I think the posture of Christ is the practice. And that's really hard in itself. And, and people will say, as, they've, as they said of Jesus himself when he was here, that's not going to work. Right. Right. Well, and I think here's my thing I've learned because we have this value of the village that says, you know, we have to be accessible. And and the short version of the definition is no roadblock but Jesus. Right. No roadblock to Jesus but Jesus. But Mm -hmm. guess what? I don't actually trust Jesus with gender. No, no, no. Don't trust Jesus with abortion. No, no, no. Don't do it. I don't trust Jesus with, I don't trust Jesus. So let me put a few walls up in front of you before you reach Jesus. So you have to leap over these walls before you get to him because he's not going to actually tell you that you need to think through your gender and what it means to be male and female. He's not going to work through these ways about the sacredness of life and help you step into something. He's not going to go. Let's do a chosen, a chosen esque. Uh, imagination really quick. All right. Just chosen as since we talked about the chosen and last I'm, week. You know, I, I'm I haven't watched episode two, but I will say that there's some people in my community that I made an agreement with that they they'll do something for me and I'm gonna watch You're gonna watch more chosen an episode every week of the chosen and we'll talk about it. So in, in some later episodes you start to see the crowds gathering Jesus teaching healing stuff like that and his disciples are beginning to experience this. So just as a Christian, imagine this scenario. Here's Jesus. He's in a in a house, and the people are gathering around him. 
you're the disciples and you're concerned about these people and and you start to think to yourself you know what like this is um this isn't good there's people that have different mindsets here there's people that have different viewpoints um these pharisees they've we can't really stand them honestly and you got the roman guards here and they're we don't want them in our midst because think of the damage they could do if their ideas spread and then you got the you've got your you know sinful licentious folks and and so let's let's say you can't come into the house to hear jesus and you can't come into the house to hear jesus and you well everything we know as christians is that the change factor is jesus yeah and it's when those people met and encountered Jesus, and sometimes they met him and encountered him, and they went and they walked away because they were like, "I don't want to have anything to do with that." And other times, it utterly transformed them. But it didn't happen until they encountered Jesus. And so, if you, as the disciples, are won't won't even let them encounter Jesus, it you're. You're not a part of the program. You're not right. a part of what Jesus is doing. You're not allowing it right. to get there. And that's sort of what I hear you saying. Like, it's we don't trust that when they come to Jesus, he will get there. And maybe not. Maybe that's not his first priority. Right. And if I'm willing to offer you vulnerability and authenticity, then when you sit down, let's say you're a person who's you know new to Jesus or trying to explore Jesus and you're a pro, you know, choice person and your kind of ideology as you're coming in. If I'm authentic with you and accessible and we sit down and we read Matthew and Jesus is like, you have to become like little children. If any of you do anything to a child, child, it's better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and be put in the water. If we're all being authentic, then you have to kind of begin to ponder, well, what does that mean when it comes to abortion? Like I have to be honest. But if I'm like, Jump over this. You need to be pro-life before you can get to Jesus. Right. But Jesus already tells you that. I don't right. need to tell you that. Let him in his softness and all of who he is and his authority and power tell you that. And then you can wrestle with it. Right. That's that's what I believe. Jesus will put the wall up for you. Let him be the person people stumble over and work it out. Because he can work it out so much better because of he works on people's hearts. And wrestling with it, that's something that you all talk about here and we talk about at Mission and different a little bit different language but that's that's a common thing like at at mission we talk about how the the very name of god's people israel comes from the patriarch who wrestled with god right and that that to be god's people is kind of to you're named after that person the one who wrestled with god that's kind of the identity is to be those who wrestle with god so we'll talk about how if you're if this is hard for you, you're struggling, it doesn't all fit and work in your mind, be ass- be reassured. This is what it is. to Relationship with God isn't just I feel great and everything's good. It's wrestling. Yeah. And, and you guys have framed it a little bit differently. But that being the case, we really struggle to just allow people to come and wrestle. That seems to be one of the hardest parts. Well, and we don't trust Jesus. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a trust issue. Yeah, I don't trust that Jesus will actually draw the lines that I need him to draw. <laughs> yeah, for me to be okay. Yeah, yeah, and then there might be somebody in this church who thinks a different thing than me. There might be, you know, in the case of say, say one of the people in our church read this particular comic book and was like, "That's what I'm saying." Jordan Peterson stinks. Yeah, um, you know, to then be like, "I don't trust that." If say somebody 
came into the church that's like, I love Jordan Peterson, they would they might say, I don't even want that around here. Get that out. Get him out. Get that out. Versus, okay, you can come in and and put your Jordan Peterson thoughts before Jesus and wrestle with that. Because Jesus isn't going to affirm everything Jordan Peterson says. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> he doesn't. No, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. No. But the but but the villainizing keeps us from even doing such a, an endeavor, right? Yeah. So to go back to the chosen, there's something that struck me when I I saw a picture. I haven't seen the episode yet, but there, Jesus is walking down steps, and all his disciples are behind him, uh-huh. and there's Mary Magdalene is in that, yeah, and she's walking down, and I had to chuckle because I thought, you know. People don't realize that a lot of people did not follow Jesus because Mary Magdalene oh, yeah. was walking. And there were other women. Right. Because he was the only rabbi who had women walking yeah. with him and learning from him. And though he, they were not one of the 12, they were his disciples. Right. And I think that for us, we just kind of forget the drama that that had yeah. to create in the culture. Well, and then add Matthew to the mix, right? And. For yeah. that, for that matter, add uneducated fishermen to the mix, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, and and zealots is weird. And, yeah, yeah. Right. So you have such a like a, a unorthodox community that Jesus is pulling together that had to let go of their control of what made them who they were, mm, and yeah. I think that's a big deal. And then people will say to me, "Well, Eric, churches have to have lines and borders, and and we have to tell people, well." Yes and no. Right. Like, if, if you're following Jesus, yeah, the, sometimes the lines will show up and everyone will be like, yeah, that's a line. Let's draw it. But if you're just like, here are all my borders and here are all my lines and they're not, we're never going to really just let us kind of wrestle with those and see what God does with them, it's going to be really hard. Right. And it's scary because it's not being in control. And I, I get it's messy. I'm, I understand it's super messy. You know? So I don't I don't know how to deal with that, but I just know that Jesus invites us into loving each other. That's a line. Yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. And that's a harder line, it honestly. Is. Yeah. Than having all your, your doctrines, right? Yeah. So um Yeah, so what what would you Say say somebody in the village, and, and I'm sure this is true in both of our churches, they've got some villains in their mind. Yeah. And they talk about them to you. What would you, how would you respond? Well, I mean, I think the first thing is that I have villains. And, you know, one of the things I said in my confession is that if I'm honest, I have a lot of contempt for people, and I think that I'm better than them. And that I think I know better. Right. And so when you do that, you do have villains and heroes. Right. So part of that is trying to be willing to not live there. Yeah. Myself first. As I hear this person talk about their own villains is be like, not to make a villain of them, myself first and say, oh, well, see, you're just stupid. You just don't know how to think about this. I'll help you think about it better. And then it'll all be better because then you'll think like me. To have to, to put that aside first. Yeah. I mean, internally, I just say, you know, okay, what is God? What's God doing here? As my dad said, what's 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 going on? Yeah. <laughs> what, what what am I hearing? What is Jesus doing? So that's first. It's just my own internal. 
And then really the invitation is for them to do that. Yeah. I, I think really when, I mean, even when I think about Jordan Peterson, I'm like, okay, so this is written about Jordan Peterson. What's Jesus doing in Jordan Peterson's life? Like, what's he trying to help him move towards? Like, yeah. not to strike back at them, not to be the villain himself. It's the same with us, you know. It's like, okay, how do I love my enemy, the villain who thinks this, who is this? And probably in our, you know, maybe a little less at Mission in, vill- in the Village, but in a lot of church circles, it would be Coates who wrote the the piece would be your villain, right? Mm-hmm. Or something, or, oh, it's the left, you know. And Okay, but how, okay. So he has those ideas. He thinks Jordan Peterson's the villain. Um, what would it look like to love him and engage with him and invite him toward Jesus? Because Jesus could, as we've seen in the lives of those disciples, he could call Coates and Peterson to be disciples together. Yep. He, that's the kind of thing Jesus did. <laughs> yep. And he wouldn't utterly undo either one of them, but he wouldn't utterly... Believe them where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's the powerful thing is really, and I know a lot of times we talk about it's hard because Jesus is steps into his own people and he's not speaking to the Greeks and right. you know, he's speaking to his own people. He's a Messiah called to Israel and then to the world. And then he sends them. Right. Right. So he speaks to the way they treat each other yeah. in the faith. In it, yeah. You know, so the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees are called out on how they deal with people and how they're corrupt. Um, and then he invites them into something different. Right. And so I think within our faith, those of us who are leading, Jesus would look at us and say, how are you dealing with the poor? How are you dealing with the indigent? How are you dealing with your own pride and arrogance? How are you serving both this community and the community outside of you? How are, how are you treating your theological opponent? Yes. What are you doing with them? Yeah. And then he would say to everyone else, how are you caring for your leader? How are you serving your neighbor? What are you like? Right. How are you resting with me? Like he's like, he's going to continually challenge the places that you and I don't normally want to challenge because it's safer to be in the black and white. You're wrong. This is the right way. Repent or you're evil. I mean, that's an easy one for us. Right. And it's not that sin shouldn't be confronted. It's just sometimes we, I think Jesus confronts the sin that we're like, why are you confronting that sin? Because he's always going after our heart, yeah, not our behavior, <clears throat> yeah, and the and the one that we don't maybe even think is sin, and uh, or the one we don't think is so serious or whatever. And I, I love what you said. Uh, Israel is a people who wrestle with God, and and in a way, we take on that identity as a church, but we have the redeemed. We have a redemption that Israel didn't. Yeah. Um, but I love that picture because I think our culture, Christian-wise, has said it's not okay to wrestle. Totally. And I think our churches are trying to say, well, yes, God calls us to holiness, and he also says it's okay to wrestle. Yeah. To get oh, yeah. there, because you got to. Yeah. I, it's, I, I think it is. It's a, it's a striving with, you know, it's not, you know, the Psalms didn't cease to be a prayer book for God's people, right? right. Um, the the ideas of kind of even contending with God a little bit. Where are you? What are you doing? Um, I mean, those are those are still things we deal with, and we can still have those conversations. And and even, 
I mean, honestly, we're, we're wrestling with God, whether we want to call it that or not. And so we can be honest about it. <laughs> but I mean, even, even the most, the most mature and, uh, you know, doctrinally sound of us or whatever have these moments where we go and, and I've had these lately. I've go, are you even doing anything in our people? Are you, a, are you asleep? Cause I'm not seeing a lot of beautiful things. Hmm. And that's a stri- that's a wrestling, right? Um, but I don't wrestle with gods that don't exist. I, I you know, that's kind of the Madeline Laingle uh, sort of idea that she gets at of you don't you don't kind of yell and scream at at people that don't exist. Um, so when you're when you're angry at God or wrestling with God, I mean that's there's your in a way like there's your confirmation that this God is there mm-hmm. and worth having that deep of a relationship with my. The best friendships I've ever had are ones in which we had some some serious, like disagreements and frustrations, right? And mm-hmm. you can have those with God; He's He can handle it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's really good. I think we should end with that. All right, let's end with that. Those good podcasts. Hey, uh, again, thank you to all who've reached out and asked questions or engaged with us on um, on the topics. Faithoverbreakfast at gmail.com is where if you, anything, just like with, with what Bob did with me with this text message, um, send us stuff. If you see a little snippet of something you think it's interesting, shoot it our way. That's uh, that's great. We, we can use the ideas. It often gets our heads going, sure. and it helps us know what's happening within kind of our listening community. Yeah. So. Thank you we for that. that. And thank you to our listeners for, the, you know, some of you we we know, many of you we know, some of you we don't. Thank you for tuning in and hearing our voices. Um, if you have time, give us, a, give us a good review. It helps the podcast get out there. And I suppose we're doing this so people will listen. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thanks. See you next time. You've been listening to Faith Over Breakfast with Pastor Eric Siepen and Pastor Andy Littleton. Please share us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you.